Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Marty. And I'm... Wait, Marty? What are you doing here? Well, Jason wasn't uh, online, so I decided to uh, take his place for a little bit. (laughs) That's right, guys. Uh, Jason is actually on vacation this week for Christmas. Uh, So he's taking a little bit of a break, and uh, Marty did such a good job the last time, we thought we'd bring him back. So uh, let's uh, let's see if you can strike gold twice, Marty. (laughs) We will sure try. (laughs) So we'll jump right in here, Marty. Um, Our first topic is going to be the ban uh, for the police using facial recognition software. Uh, What do you think about that? So, I I mean, I'm not sure why, you know, people wouldn't want the police to be able to identify someone quicker, faster. I mean, I, I understand maybe why, you know, a lot of the techies wouldn't want facial recognition, you know, trying to search them out. But I, I think for, you know, obviously criminal activity, I, I really think it's, it's a good way to, you know, start sorting through trying to get people, you know, trying to get them quicker, trying to there's cameras everywhere, obviously, anywhere you go anymore, there's someone that has some sort of smartphone, there's someone that has, you know, a camera system. Um, so, I mean, for that to identify, you know, people quicker, I, I think it's a good idea. I mean, what are your thoughts? Honestly, I'm really torn because like you kind of alluded to, I kind of personally feel like I fall on both sides of the, the discussion you just kind of had. As a techie, uh, it's kind of, I guess, in my nature to almost rail against the man kind of deal <laughs> to some degree. I can understand that. You know, I don't want to be spied on. I don't want my data just given up freely. I feel like I am in the, the handful of the few that still appreciates that my data has a value you know, to me kind of deal. Like I'm not just wanting to give it out. So, you know, in, in that part of the narrative, I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, I don't want it to be out there, but the flip side of the coin, you know, if something happened to me or my family, or even just in general, you know, kind of with the, uh, with the situation that happened here on, on what was it Christmas? Uh, when that bomb went off down in Tennessee, you know, the other half of me is torn also because, you know, by that, you know, when something like that happens, you know, that that's a very raw nerve that gets triggered. And I feel like in that situation, you know, I want them to have every available aspect, you know, that's when I'm like, ah, you know, tap into people's smartphones, look around you, you know, make it like the movies where you can just type in something and, you know, literally you can Google the earth kind of deal. So you know, I got a Jekyll and Hyde thing going on here with my security feelings. So and I, I, I guess I'm sorry, Steve. I, I, I agree with you with the, you know, the idea that you don't want your privacy invaded. I, I get that. But I, I think on the flip side, like you're saying, you know, if something happened to you, your family, uh, someone close to you, obviously you'd want them to, you know, catch this person as quickly as possible. And this, I mean, facial recognition has been around for a while now, and it seems like it, they're approving, you know, the, the technology all the time. I mean, is, is there a possibility for the facial recognition to get like a false positive? I, I mean, that... Oh, 100%. In fact, most of the places that have had facial recognition that they were using came up 
false. Like more often than not, it was wrong. I think that the police maybe should have surveillance video. I don't think they should have facial recognition. And I appreciate and can understand that they, to some degree, go hand in hand. But, you know, they should not be relying heavily on the facial recognition aspect of it because of the high possibility of mistakes. You know, if if I happen to have a similar facial bone structure or enough, you know, features that happen to coincide with, you know, somebody that commits a murder or does something terrible, you know, while ultimately I will probably be exonerated, you know, it still could make for a day or two of a lot of headache for me. You know, if they come and bust down my door and take me in because, you know, based on the data that they have, you know, right off the bat, you know, I, I could, I could certainly see that posing problems and it. And based on the article that we have here, it sounds like we're not terribly off the mark because multiple states and uh, several different cities have, have banned it and made it outright illegal. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, that's a good point because uh, I mean, with today's world, I mean, everyone's usually wearing a mask now, you know, some sort of face covering, you know, if you have sunglasses or a hat, I'm sure it makes it a lot more difficult for the facial recognition. And also, I think you hit a good point, too. If the cop decides to try to just go like an autopilot and let the software do the work, you know, does that kind of, you know, not allow them to show their skills or, or keep their skills sharp by, you know, trying to, you know, do what they've been trained to find the, you know, the, the, the people or the criminals or, you know, what they're trying to accomplish instead of just using this software to, you know, kind of do their job for them. Right. No, I understand. And I think that, I think especially right now, it's so preliminary that it probably doesn't matter because I think right now they still have to rely a lot on their training. They have to do, I think this is an aid more than it is uh, like a minority report kind of deal, you know, where they're using 90% of that kind of stuff. And then they're just kind of verifying, you know, with a human intervention kind of deal. I think, you know, handful of years from now, we could maybe be in that situation. You know, I think that it's not a huge giant leap from where we are. Part of me is happy to see that, you know, there's places like Portland, Maine, which is what the article was talking about. uh, San Francisco, Oakland, uh, Boston and Cambridge up in Massachusetts. You know, those guys have all banned uh, facial recognition, you know, in the general public. Um, now it does not apply to like private property. So now if, if you're a business, you know, and you want to set something like that up to help track, and then you choose to turn that stuff over to, you know, the police or something like that, or even like, um, like the ring cameras are a really good example. You know, the ring network works very hand in hand with a lot of the police, you know, different precincts and, and different police departments and stuff. Um, I know we have a handful of ring cameras and there's been two different instances, I believe, where I've actually gotten a notification and it says, you know, would you be willing to give your footage from X time to X time kind of deal, you know, to the you know police department in my area, um, you know, because the, they want to review it kind of deal. And they make it so easy to do that. Like you literally just click a button and you're just essentially sharing your footage from, you know, from those windows kind of deal. And I, you know, I have, I have mixed feelings on that as well, because, you know, again, it comes back to, you want to help the greater good, but, you know, 
it feels like it's a very slippery slope kind of deal. And you feel like you're giving up your privacy by, by offering them your information from your network. Sure. Yeah. To some degree, but I mean, and, and not even my privacy, but like, you know, what if my neighbor's outside doing something and he's not part of this, but they happen to see something, you know, I just, it just feels like there's a lot of potential for people to get swept up in the giant net instead of it being targeted and pinpoint kind of deal. You know, they have a big giant drag net out and they're just kind of dredging through the ocean with it and everything that's in the path gets picked up versus, you know, a specific individual target, which I guess that's why it's better with the ring stuff is, you know, that they are targeting specific dates and times. So it is a little bit more nitpicky in that regard, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know how we get from point A to point B on this slope without because it feels like one step like it's it doesn't feel like it's a progressive kind of deal it feels like we either we either don't do it or we do and it feels like it's only a one step difference like you're either up or you're down and there's no there is no kind of slowly sliding down the slope or like a slow transition it's just on or off i don't know what the fine granularity or what you know i don't know what the magic bullet is for this that that gets us from that a to b um, but I, I hope that's something that we can figure out because like I said, I feel like either they're just going to take everything and it, it'll just become to where it's not an option or nobody will do anything and it'll just all get locked down or banned. And then it, you know, then the police are still in the same situation where they can't help appropriately, you know, when it is actually applicable and when it would be useful. So, you know, do you have any, you have any thoughts to round that one out? Uh, it sounds like you're concerned about it's either an all or nothing. Um, you know, you're, you're completely on board. You, you know, give access to any of your information, um, to the police, to, you know, law enforcement, obviously privacy issues, or, or even like the, you know, the, the times where the government's trying to get into your iPhone and Apple saying no, um, I, I can understand that. I think maybe like you're saying before, use it as a tool versus, you know, maybe to narrow the, the suspect pool down um, instead of just totally relying on the facial recognition. Right. But how do you get people to either agree to give the data? Like, how do you talk the city? So let's just, let's pick one of the cities here. So let's say San Francisco, if you're a member of the, the police essentially that can't use that data right now in San Francisco, how do you convince somebody to to essentially repeal that law or to to want to give up that information in a safe way to do that? Like, how would you try to convince somebody of that? I guess is my question. Uh, and I mean, I realize, and I realize that's a loaded question. Yeah, yeah but it is. That's ultimately what I'm getting at. Is you know, every single person is either a city at this point that doesn't care, or they're a city that's already has a a, a feeling on the matter. So. You know, like I said, I, I feel like I'm a little bit of both, but, you know, instead of talking cities into it, you, you got to, at the, at the core, you have to win over individual people, you know, really is what it is, but all those people make up a city. So very true. Very true. Well, what we, what we could do is we could start, you know, sending all kind of drones over the city and, you know, have them kind of monitor people that way. Yeah. But it's not the, the. The cameras being used isn't the problem. The, the issue at hand is, are they allowed to use the facial recognition on the footage? 
So it's not whether they can get the footage. They could tap into ATMs. They could traf- in, tap into traffic cameras. You know, tapping into any sort of a video feed is essentially uh, usable. The question is, is whether it's okay for them to essentially apply an algorithm to available footage to then use it to try to track somebody down and, and to, like you said, shrink the pool. And like I said, the problem, I think, I think the part that wins me over is they would have to find a way for it to be astronomically better than it is. Like I need a 99.9% success rate instead of a 35 or a 40% success rate like they are now. You know, like, I mean, the last time I heard it was not good. Like, like it mis, it misidentified more often than it got it right kind of deal. Yeah. I I remember seeing that too. Yes. Yeah. So I think the only way you sell this is that it almost needs to be all but perfect kind of deal. And then, you know, they're almost going to have to have like a big case. You know, I feel like they'd have to find some big bad kind of deal and then use it successfully and then almost kind of campaign it to people kind of deal and be like, you know, this is in your best interest, you know, and then try to slowly push it and make it acceptable to people. And then once they have that, you know, once they can do that, then sure, then then it's in their interest to then start running cameras and to do things. Because if you're allowed to then use the facial recognition software, then heck yeah. Why would you not put a fleet of drones in the air? You know, every time somebody like a, uh, an inmate breaks out of prison, send up a hundred drones and have them fly over. as like a big, pat, you know, make it look like a bunch of football players running down a field kind of deal and, you know, run patterns or whatever. And, you know think of the area you could cover Sure. if each one of those drones is getting footage that is, you know, you're driving down the road and it's picking up license plates, picking up faces, it's picking up, you know, whatever the case may be, but you have to get everybody on board with that level of intrusion. And I think that's a really tough pill to swallow. Definitely. I mean, now, now you're saying about using different drones. Now, are there certain drones that are preferred to be used or are there some that shouldn't be used? Um, well, there's a couple of different, <laughs> different options there. Recently, uh, DJI actually just got put onto the government's, uh, watch list, which, uh, as somebody that owns a, uh, fairly expensive DJI drone, uh, I wasn't super stoked to hear that. Um, because the, the preliminary information that I've gotten so far with them being on the watch list, essentially that stops the ability for people like Best Buy or, you know, anybody like that would sell them. Uh, you can't sell them stateside essentially, or you can't be a partner essentially to sell them. Getting parts will probably become very difficult or at least getting OE parts, you know, maybe you could get third party stuff, but I'm really hesitant personally to do that sort of thing because, you know, you got a drone that's a hundred or 300 feet in the air or something like that. You know, if you buy a a set of faulty propellers and one of them comes off or cracks and suddenly you have a, you know, two pound paperweight that's going to fall on somebody's head, you know, suddenly, suddenly you're a liability and it's not just a toy that you're flying around with your kid or, you know, getting some fun video or something like that. So I have problems, you know, with parts. And the thing that bothers me more than anything is DJI offers, um, they essentially offer like an Apple care kind of deal for their drones. So you can pay, uh, I think it was like 75 bucks or something like that. And we get coverage for a year. So if the drone crashes, if it goes in the water, whatever it is, 
All I physically have to do is send the parts back to them. It doesn't matter even if it's in one piece. If I just send them the stuff back, they will fix or replace it um, under my like warranty deal. So, you know, on a, again, $800 drone, 75 bucks, that's a heck of a deal. So, yes, it is. You know, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and, and I think people would agree as a whole. Uh, DJI is pretty much king of the mountain when it comes to drones. Uh, so for the for the government to essentially kind of kick them off the top and kind of go searching for some other uh, some other options, I know as somebody that went out on a personal level looking for drones and trying to find something that gives you you know the best bang for your buck as well as quality. Um, like I said, you know you want a really good camera, you want it to be stable, you want it to have good flight time, you know you want the parts to be easy to come by and replace and things like that. And honestly. The government's going to be in the same boat. You know, they're not going to want something that's impossible to replace parts on if they crash it or, you know, they don't want something that's going to fly for two minutes instead of 20 minutes or, you know, so to me, it's a little bit weird, you know, that they wouldn't want to essentially go for the best. But I guess if their fears of spying stuff are real, you know, this, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about just a minute ago. You know, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm splitting the fence here again because either they know something terrible that i don't know you know or this is just a government having another vendetta against another government kind of deal and this is just one of the ways they can stick it to them you know and as somebody that's just kind of the layman you know so what do you think so so the biggest concern sounds like the you know the the dj the dji drones um i guess they're concerned about the 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 chinese parts i'm assuming people spy well, from what I understand, their issue is that they're afraid of them spying. So it's reporting. I think they're afraid that it's reporting back in some way, shape, or form. Okay. Whether it's GPS coordinates, whether it's actually video data. You know, I don't know what data they're looking for, but ideally, I mean, your drone connects to your phone, which connects to the internet, which, I mean, so in theory, it's certainly possible. It could funnel almost anything. Um, I mean, I'm sure they're not live streaming HD data back to China kind of deal. I mean, I feel like you would notice that on your cell phone plan kind of deal. <laughs> That's probably, probably. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get to data in a little bit here on our next topic, <laughs> exactly. but it's, uh, it's a noticeable chunk that I'm pretty sure somebody would have picked up on by now. But well, well, my thinking is that if, if they are actually worried about it spying, my guess is, is that it's more about topographical, uh, data and GPS location and stuff. So if people are flying them, you know, like I would think maybe if somebody's flying it, like just for the sake of argument, somebody's out in, you know, whatever, flying it near area 51 kind of deal. And if they can figure out that those coordinates are close, well, then maybe they look at a snapshot or two from that drone at that time to try to look around and get a, you know, an idea or, you know, I'm sure topographical data is good. Anytime you can get that kind of information, you know, for a quote unquote invading country kind of deal, you know, you want to know the lay of the land that you potentially would be going after kind of deal, which wait, I'm not saying that, you know, that's a, 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 an issue we have to worry about in the near future kind of deal, but I'm sure all that data is helpful, you know, probably getting information about the, uh, our infrastructure and stuff like that, you know, nuke power plants, anything like that. Sure. You know, well, It sounds like it goes back to the, 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 you know, invasion of privacy again, you know, trying to, you know, get information that they obviously shouldn't have and relaying it back to, you know, people that could obviously do something with, with that information. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that's, that's, I mean, that's data as a whole, <laughs> you know, I guess sure. that's the worry, worry for everybody all the sure. time, but. Yeah, I mean, you know. I, I would assume though, for most people, I mean, it's what, 75% probably use it for some just fun activity. I don't know if that's high or low, but. Yeah, there, there are certainly a lot of people that use it that way. There's a lot of people that do the mapping. Um, so they will do like site surveys essentially for, for companies. Um, there's a lot of people that will also use it for um, like realtors. So any of the aerial footage, like if you start looking on Zillow and places like that for home listings, a lot of times you get shots that somebody obviously didn't take with their camera, you know, on a ladder kind of, you know, you're looking at the house from a top down or you're getting a 360. Some of those are a lot more interactive now. You know, you get some pretty, pretty decent video, you know, and a lot of times they'll hire, you know, drone pilots like that to fly and circle the houses and get, you know, property shots or, you know, get a satellite almost looking kind of view where you're, you know, a couple hundred feet up in the air. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, there is certainly a lot of business to that. Uh, there's also a lot of construction companies that will use people to map. So the, the drones are actually, especially the real professional or the high end ones, uh, the GPS and stuff in those is excellent. So they actually will use those to map out ground level and to map out like land surveys kind of deal. Um, and that's a huge business in the drone industry. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely places like that where that kind of stuff is getting used and, you know, there's, there's a lot of money to be made there. It sounds like it's a, a safer way to capture all of those pictures or videos. Also, I mean, you're, you're sending up a little, you know, drone to, you know, get that aerial view. And instead of, you know, I'm assuming before they would send up some sort of airplane or helicopter helicopter or, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So. And at, at a hundred times the cost, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I haven't priced aviation fuel recently, but I'm sure it's way more than a couple of, you know, batteries for your drone. Sure. Sure. So, you know, and, and obviously they're quieter. They don't interrupt people and they can go into places, you know, like doing the, you know, the looking around houses and stuff, you know, I can fly my drone 10 or 20 feet off the ground you know, and through the trees and things like that, you're obviously not going to get a helicopter to do that, you know? So it is certainly getting you things that, you know, other larger options would not be able to do, you know, I don't know. And I know like, uh, looking at our article and stuff, they were talking about how the, the government was trying to fixate in on a couple different companies. One of them being uh Skydio and uh parrot parrot is the one that I actually had looked at. That was my runner up before I bought my DJI. But I'll tell you the the software for the DJI and stuff and what it could do was a lot better on the DJI. And so like it really makes me question the, the, the whole government aspect. To me, that that's what brings in a little bit of the fear because looking at the choices that they were looking at, um, and knowing how much of a deficiency there is from from some of them. It makes me wonder if either they really know something terrible and, if, and that's where it like makes me a little paranoid or like I said, if they're just trying to stick it to each other, you know, if the government's just trying to stick it to each other kind of deal. And if that's the case, then that's fine. I don't care. Like, you know, sure. That I can live you with. You can but, understand. Yeah. Right. But if, uh, you know, if they actually know something that's epically terrible and, you know, is, <laughs> is, you know, just something we're just not privy to. That's what makes me, I don't want to say paranoid, but that's what makes me paranoid, essentially, kind of deal. 
you know, and even like, um, like Skydio is, uh, is us based and parrot, I believe is French. I believe that's a French company. Yes. You know, so the, the Skydio one makes sense. Cause that's all, you know, in-house kind of deal essentially, but like they're willing to go out to a French company for like a parrot drone, you know, the government is also not going to be buying 20 of these. They're going to buy probably a thousand of these kind of deal. So I, I don't know, I guess. My other thing is like, why is the government, if they really need drones of that magnitude, or if they need things that they really have to have end to end control over, why would you not make it in house? We have how many black ops sites and how many, you know, labs and how many other places like that are under their control. We've built all kinds of crazy things over the years. How hard could it be for them to make a drone? Yeah, well, I mean, unfortunately, it, maybe it's just cheaper to make it in different countries. Uh, I mean, we've been, you know, seeing that for for hundreds of years. You know, things being, you know, outsourced. So, I, I mean, it it's strange to me that we couldn't come up with some sort of update or patch or whatever you want to call it to, you know, kind of block everything. You know, communication other than what it's supposed to be intended for, you know, to, you know, to be able to use whatever drone you want, like you're saying, I mean, if, if, you know, the DJI drones are the best, then should it matter what country they're made in? I mean, well, I, I understand, I mean, I understand the, the fear of, you know, passing sensitive information, but you would think that we should be able to, you know, in 2020, be able to have information to see if it is sending encrypted messages or, or information it shouldn't be. You're walking a really sensitive line there, buddy. I know what you're, what you're essentially talking about is like the great firewall of China. China does do that on the reverse side. Like you hear, you hear how like they spy on their own people all the time kind of deal. They have, it's literally called the great firewall of China. So they essentially have all traffic in and out of that country runs through the government first, essentially, which is why there's like, you hear about so many companies and how things sometimes aren't allowed in certain countries or how China, you know, will censor certain things or cut certain things. That's how they do that because they have a giant firewall that essentially they control everything in and out. I think that, I think it would be naive to think that we don't have that to some layer or to some level. However, they do not have, they are not at the level, our government is not at the current level where they can do that sort of intervention and not have people revolt <laughs> because we essentially still have, whether it's an illusion or not, we still have freedom. Um, so if they were tomorrow going to say, hey, we're going to run everybody's internet through you know, a big filter that we have you know, so that we can verify and make sure everything is safe, People would lose their minds. People lose their minds now. And they just think that they're getting spied on just regularly. You know, like, so, and, and to some degree, I think that probably is true. Like I said, I, I'm not saying that I'm sure, I'm 100% sure that there is data that they can certainly see. Whether they can sift through every single packet, I don't know. But yeah, so like what you're talking about is 100% possible. And I agree with you that it's something that they ultimately could probably filter out because essentially they could just block all data going to China. 
<laughs> you know, if they really wanted to. I mean, they could do that now. They could just tell ISPs that they can't send data sure. to certain aspects of the world. Heck, the uh, the system I, I was showing you, I think, the other night with my home networking system, I can block data per country. So if I don't want to receive or send data from a certain place or I don't want it to go somewhere, I can just shut off, you know, like geolocation kind of deal, like a certain countries via geolocation for data. Now, again, when you're starting to talk about governments with, you know, people that are way more advanced than you and I, I'm sure there are ways to get around that sort of thing. And, you know, I'm sure they can still hack and, and get what they need. But well, I do have a question for you, Steve. Do you think the government is listening to our podcast right now? Uh, yes, actually, it's from several different countries. Um, because you can actually, <laughs> in our analytics, I get pings <laughs> from places that uh, there's no way we're getting listeners from. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, which, which is a good segue to the data that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um. So, our good old uh, Comcast looks like they are uh, going to put a cap on how much data you can use. What are your thoughts on that, Steve? All right, Marty, you better buckle up. <laughs> so, <laughs> do do you have that uh, censorship button ready? Or <laughs> yeah, but we should try not to use it if we can help it. <laughs> so, what essentially is happening? We'll just give you a real quick rundown, and then we'll dive into the angry, angry thoughts we probably have. So, Comcast starting in, I believe it's January, correct? I think it's the beginning of January. Yes. Essentially, for all or most of the Northeast of the United States, uh, is going to start getting a data cap of 1.2 terabytes. That cap already existed in many other places, uh, many other states around the United States. Um, Comcast is the biggest uh, cable and internet provider in the United States. And I want to say they're in like 30 or 40 of the 50 states. I mean, they cover the majority of it. So while the cap isn't new uh, per se, it's new to a lot of the states. You know, it's it's new to the the upper <laughs> the upper corner of the United States for sure. Uh, we had never had caps really up into to that point. Now I know Comcast would go after people sometimes if their data was you know just ridiculous. I actually used to work with somebody who did uh, some stream or uh, some bit torrents. And uh, he had put a whole bunch of movies and things up and then just kind of opened up his stream. And uh, he used terabytes and terabytes of data. And that was probably 10 or 15 years ago. Um, And I know Comcast came after him with like a cease and desist kind of deal. And at one point, they even shut his internet down for a couple months until, you know, he uh, he had to sign something saying he wasn't going to do that kind of thing anymore. But um, yeah, so I guess my, uh, to answer your question off the bat, Yes, I have a very big problem with this because I feel like what we're paying for the internet, uh, it should not be regulated. Without getting into too much personal history, Marty and I have a very close connection to this particular topic and source. Um, And you and I both know that it does not cost them almost anything to keep the internet up you know, up and running as a whole, that is easily like one of their cash cows. And they will tell, they will say as such, uh, they easily make the most amount of money on that particular service over anything else that they offer. So the fact that they're essentially just kind of nickel and diming people at this point, you know, for additional data, uh, to me, that 
that really grinds my gears kind of deal. So before we go too much farther down into this, just what are your initial thoughts there, Marty? Well, I, I think the, the issue I have right now is, you know, with obviously with coronavirus, uh, people are at home much more now. Obviously, the governor's telling us to stay home. Um, you have kids doing the at-home schooling, obviously, on the internet. You have people working from home. My wife and I are currently working from home. You're doing, you know, obviously Netflix, you know, your different streaming uh, devices. Entertainment. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I just increased my speed because I knew I was going to be doing all this to the gig speed. Yeah. So what is, what is the point of having a faster download if, if I'm going to be capped at 1.2 terabytes? Now, for the average person, it's probably not a big deal. I mean, I, I believe they're saying, what, 95% of the people don't even get close to it. Um, maybe Steve and I are a little abnormal or you know, we're, we're on the other side of that 95%. I know I've went over it. I'm pretty sure Steve's went over it. So I, I live over that line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah and, and like you said, they, they were saying 95% of customers uh, use roughly around, they say 308, but just for the sake of round numbers, say 300 gigs. I mean, that's, that's nothing. And I feel like, I feel like that number either has to be old or it's not accurate. Um, like that's almost like a, a lion to the FCC kind of number because I mean, how many people do you know with kids that have Xboxes and Playstations and things like that? You know, the day you bring those things home, they have giant updates to do. 50, 60 gigs. Yeah. I mean, easy. Oh, easy. We just downloaded a game the other night. Um, it was a Forza Horizon, Forza Horizon 4. And I believe between re-downloading some of the game and some of the updates, I believe it was in the neighborhood of like 85 or 90 gigs. I mean, it was an immense amount of data. Um, and that was one game, you know, and, and the new games now are running in 4k. So there are better graphics than, you know, even the one that I have. So, and, you know, and I guess the flip side of that coin is, is how many grandmothers or how many other people have just the internet to go on and they check their email or they do, you know, some of the little checking the weather kind of deal. And, you know, you know, you and I have, we've talked to people that we know that there's, that there are those people that exist, you know, that they don't do a whole lot with the internet. But I feel like even still, like, like I said, you talk to almost anybody that has a kid and they have some sort of a game system or they're, you know, they're streaming Netflix or they're doing Zoom, especially now they're doing Zoom conferences for school or they're doing Google classrooms or whatever the case may be, you know, you're going to hit that cap. Yeah, easily. And I feel like, like, and you touched on it a minute ago about, you know, how this is all kind of going down, you know, during the, the Corona time period and stuff. You know, they had originally said something, I think at the beginning, uh, that they were going to, you know, kind of work with people, you know, to make sure they didn't get shut off because of all this and that they were trying to uh, open up like the Xfinity Wi-Fi hotspots and stuff to people that needed data, you know, for, for that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know. I feel like this is just, if nothing else, it's a really bad look, but I mean, history has very easily told us that they don't, they just don't care about that. You know, I mean, how many times have they been ranked terribly or, you know, you know, the, the, it just doesn't matter how the look goes. Yeah. I mean, and I think what happens too, 
one of the issues that you run into is when they're, you know, I mean, and I will say, I mean, like you said, we've both worked for them. Their internet, best that you can get hands down uh, in our area. Other than Fios and stuff. Like if you could get fiber optic, that would be better, but yes. Correct. But is what does it really have the infrastructure in our area to do that right now? I mean, yes. if you lived in like your Harrisburg, oh, they do have it in York now. And yes, because you can actually get the uh, uh, Gigabit Pro. That was the one that I was looking into. I was talking to Jason about that. It's like 300 bucks a month, but they will give you uh, two gigs down and two gigs up. Oh. And they actually run a fiber optic line from the node to your house. So you get fiber into your house, into your modem. So yes. And that is, I, I, uh, nice. I made a few calls and I checked, I checked with a few people. Cause like I said, I wanted to see if I could get it. Our area does have it. So that is an option, which is not relevant to most of the people listening, but it is a fun little tidbit for Marty. You, if you could see his face, you would see him, you could see him lighting up. <laughs> I might be making a phone call on Monday. <laughs> No, but I mean, and like I said, overall, I mean, Comcast, good company, but I, I just think their their timing with with this, like I said, with the coronavirus and and people obviously being forced to stay home and and you know obviously have entertainment in your house. I guess I'll be breaking open the uh, board game here soon enough once my one point two terabyte cap is hit. I guess, but yeah, I mean, and and I think they should be reaching out to the, you know, the 5% that is going over and, and maybe start going over some, you know, discussion with what, what we can do for you because you are consistently over the, the cap. Well, I, I mean, that, that to me would be good, good customer service. Yeah. Um, I don't disagree with you that it would, it would be good customer service, but I think that their way of addressing this is they're just going to charge for the overage kind of deal, or they're going to charge you to essentially move into that unlimited plan kind of deal. So they're going to tackle on, uh, what was it, an extra $25 a month, um, essentially to your plan and then let you have unlimited data. Um, and if you opt not to do that, then it's uh, $10 for each block of 50 gigs, which I mean, potentially that could not last very long. <laughs> well, that could be a video game. Right, right as we already went over so <laughs> well and the families that opt to not go with unlimited you know if it is say you know say christmas time rolls around you know and their kid gets two or three games or four games or something like that you know say 50 60 gigs 100 gigs a shot you know at 50 bucks a gig granted they have a hundred dollar max but even still i mean you could essentially take your two or three hundred dollar bill that you get now and it could come in at four or five hundred dollars because of adding on, you know, additional charges. And I mean, that's certainly could be surprising. And in a lot of people's cases, that could be that could be a pretty hard hurdle to overcome. And then, you know, as you know how it goes, if if people don't pay, suddenly you get behind and then suddenly your internet shut off. And again, this is a really bad time for anybody to be getting their internet shut off, you know, given what's going on. Sure, sure. Hey, fiber optics is sounding better and better uh, every time we uh, discuss this then. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you can stomach the monthly, and that's what it really boils down to is it's all money. They're just manipulating the amount of data and the way that you're getting it, you know, for a price, which, and I mean, I get it. That's business. Sure. But, you know, like I I went through the before the show and I looked at my, my usage 
and I averaged 1.76 terabytes a month. And that ranges from about one and a half to a little bit over two, you know, and that's consistently, that's since July. And I mean, June and July, August, even we spent every other weekend out on our boat kind of deal. I mean, we weren't even, it's not even like we were at home a lot, you know, we kept our distance and we stayed away from people, but like we went out and we tried to do things as much as possible just because, you know, when winter comes around, you don't want to be cooped up, you know, all the time. So like we weren't even using Uber amounts of data. So, I mean, that's still just streaming Netflix and it's still, you know, watching movies and just day-to-day usage kind of deal. So yeah, and, and I'll say also, I mean, I, I looked at my usage and I'm kind of in the same boat as you are, Steve. I mean, you know, October 1.7, yeah. you know, November 1.9, December is still 1.4. So even with the month not right. done, you know, we're, we're still over the cap. And I, I mean, I know we, we use it more than the average person, obviously, but I never thought that we were hitting, you know, over over a terabyte of of data so right well because and especially because you look back at it you know from a couple years ago and numbers like that would have been unfathomable to most people you know heck your first computer years ago probably you know you were you had a a hard drive that was probably like 10 gigs or something like that and you're thinking oh i'll never fill that you know and it's just as the age of computing kind of marches on you know obviously technology keeps moving kind of deal and everything's bigger and faster and stuff. But, you know, I think that the data creep kind of happens to people as a whole, you know, and it's, you know, like we have a smart house as well. So like our usage, like the amount of data that we consume isn't just consumption necessarily. You know, we have all IP cameras. So we have multiple cameras around the property. Those are streaming high definition footage. Anytime there's an event that triggers and happens. Heck, even we have a Roomba, you know, I mean, if nothing else, the vacuum cleaner is talking back and forth to the network. So, you know, (laughs) we have smart outlets and stuff everywhere and light bulb. When I upgraded to like the new commercial setup for my wireless and everything like that, what the biggest change was besides stability uh, was having all the metrics and actually being able to drill down and see how the data is essentially being used. Uh, on a more granular scale and you wouldn't think about something like an outlet but when you check it and you see that that outlet has used over the course of a month 150 200 megs or something like that you know while that in and of itself is not a huge deal when you have 10 of them or 20 of them or you know whatever then suddenly now you're into the gigs you know now now you've used multiple gigabytes you know and then you add that onto your netflix and then you add that onto your, you know, iTunes usage and well, then suddenly you're at two terabytes a month, you know, so then we're, we're in the situation that we're in. So, you know, I just, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like their 1.2 terabytes is low. I feel like maybe they should have set that bar at like three because. Well, I, I, I think even Steve with, you know, maybe the, the people that don't have the gig speed maybe have them at a higher cap because obviously if I'm, if I'm using a gig speed for download, right. I'm probably going to be using it just more than just checking my email. Yeah. One would hope. <laughs> uh, I mean, you, you would hope, I mean, I, I really get my email fast now, but 
No, I, I mean, you know, like you're saying, for a grandma that just does the basic things that's in that 95% that's only using 300 gig, mm-hmm. well, she probably has, you know, the middle tier, right? maybe even a tier of, of internet speed. So why not break it down into, you know, if, if, you're, if you're going to pay, I, I don't is it what, about 100 bucks a month for the gig speed, roughly? Yeah, at least, yeah. Or close. So if I'm if I'm paying that, well, that's bundled with obviously TV also. So if I'm paying that for for my internet, then I I would think that my cap would be a little higher. Like you're saying, maybe go, you know, three or four terabytes for the for the people that are paying a little more for their internet anyway. Sure. You know, for grandma or, or my parents or someone that's not even coming close to that number then then that's understandable then that's okay but why punish the five percent that are actually using right the internet (laughs) well and i think that i think this is a multi-faceted point so right off the bat yes i agree because you know you and i are on the gig tier deal but that also means that we're paying more so like in of itself that almost kind of justifies us having a higher cap to begin with Uh, If, if there's even a cap at all, you know, but I think that the problem is, is that you and I are looking at this from more of a logical standpoint and we're, we're doing it from a, a reasonable and justifiable way of what would make sense to handle business. But what we're not taking into account is shareholders. We're not, we're not the company that's trying to extract every dollar to look good for shareholders kind of deal. So when you flip this around to where it's not about customer service and it's not about what's fair and it's not about what makes people happy, this is about what makes them money. And that's always been the case though. I mean, for, right. I mean, you're not in business if you're not making money. Right. Right. So, and you know, grandma who is on that middle tier is paying a middle price, but she's also her cost to, I'm trying to think of, the, the cost to data ratio for somebody like her, just for the sake of argument, let's say she pays 40 bucks a month and she costs them $4, you know, per month of upkeep on equipment and things like that. Well, okay. So you and I are using two terabytes a month and we cost them $20, you know, so there is a ratio there because we're technically hitting the equipment more often. We're using it harder. We're, you know, the equipment still has a burnout rate to some degree. You know, those, those, those routers and the switches and all the network gear that Comcast has to maintain, the head ends, you know, things like that. That still has a lifespan and there is still a cost to that that they have to upkeep. But the the cost that they spend versus what we're putting into it is not, not a, a smooth scale, <laughs> like by any means, you know, and I think that's what that's what makes us hurt the worst. Is because, like I said, and I think part of this is because if you didn't figure out, we were employees. So if 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 we hadn't worked there, and if we didn't have the the peak behind the kimono kind of deal, I think that I would be a little bit more aloof to this kind of deal. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Maybe this wouldn't bother me quite as much. I would just kind of accept it as what it is. But knowing about what I know and seeing how the gears turn, and knowing kind of some of the numbers that go along with this kind of stuff. That's, I think what makes it hurt worse because I know that, 
you know, if, if you call in and ask them about this, there's going to be a line, you know, there's, there's something that they're going to tell you and there's a justifiable quote unquote reason for why this price change is happening. You know, I mean, think about it with like the TV service years ago when they would talk about contracts and things like that, you know, same situation. So this one's really hard to sit with me because like I said, we're already paying a, a decent chunk. And I feel like that while they're targeting this ultimately, like you said, targets the top 5%. I feel like we're not really abusers at this point. You know, the ones that they really need to target is like the one or 2%, you know, the people that we're, we're going a little bit over the cap, you know, the people that I feel like that if they, the people that they probably should be going after are the people that are using 10 or 20 terabytes or something. Like I would imagine that, you know, the amount of people that fall into our category is probably out of that 5% is probably three or 4%. And I think that's why they're going after it because that that's where they can make all the money is off of that. If they moved it to just that one or 2%, they probably wouldn't even be worth their time, you know, for the implementation because they're only going after a handful of people that are really, you know, the terrible abusers. And honestly, to those people paying the extra, you know, 20 bucks, you know, if you're already going to abuse the, uh, the cap anyways, like what's 20 bucks, you know? Well, I mean, even, even for sake for argument, I mean, even if it goes to the max at a hundred dollars, I mean, if they're able to, you know, obviously they're probably downloading a bunch of movies they shouldn't be. And, and obviously doing, uh, downloading stuff that they probably shouldn't, or it might be for resale or, or whatever they're doing with it. Well, or, uh, business. Correct. Using a, a, a residential connection for business because it's cheaper. Yeah. For a business. Yes, that's true. That's true. So, yeah, I mean, and for that 1%, you know, and if they do, you know, get penalized or shut off or whatever, then they would just go somewhere else, I'm assuming. So, I mean, it's. Well, or that's their, that's their kick in the butt to go to business. Correct. Because when you move to, like, when you move to that higher tier, even the uh, correct Gigabit Pro service I was talking about, the, the fiber service that doesn't have a cap and they, they say that, but you're signing a contract for service for two years. I think it is. And you're paying, you know, about a fair bit more per month to do so, which, you know, I'm not saying isn't unreasonable on their side. You know, I'm not, if they're going to invest in running fiber optics and stuff to your house, I can understand that aspect of it. That is a business relationship between you and the company. Sure. But the terms of service essentially are laid out as well. And you're contracted ahead of time. What kind of sucks with this is because we're customers or just regular residential customers, I feel like they kind of get to play with the flow a little bit more and we just kind of have to suck it up and deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you're saying, go, you know, go the business class or, Mm -hmm. you know, pay the extra money. So, yeah. And now I know they did say um, that they were going to work with uh, the like real basic freebie tier that they used to give out. They had like the, uh, there's a keep America connected pledge deal, but that's what had expired in June. Internet essentials tier. Internet essentials. There you go. Um, I know they said they were going to raise the, the, the speed essentially for that, which internet essentials was always like, uh, that was for like the families that qualified for, like, if you got like school lunches and stuff kind of deal like that, that classification, essentially they would give you like a really reduced rate on your internet, which is great. I'm all for that. 
Yes. And they're going to uh, supposedly uh, be raising the data limit, or not the limit, but the data speeds on that tier, uh, which is good because from what I remember of that, that was pretty embarrassing to begin with. Like it was not, most cell phones would probably spank it, you know, as far as what it was. It it, it was a hair better than dollop, I think. Yeah, Yeah, it was not. It was not great. Um, so, I mean, and this is great, you know, and, <laughs> and honestly, even if it was sold to me as I was helping those kind of people, I would almost be able to swallow the pill of paying a little bit more for my internet, knowing that it would essentially be benefiting other people if that was true, but it's, it's not, you know I mean? Like I said, this is just a, yeah, it's just a cash grab and this is their way of justifying it by saying they're going to help out the guys at the bottom, which uh, again is another small percent. It's not, it's not a a huge chunk of their business. So, you know, they're helping the guy, they're helping the little tiny percent that's at the bottom by gouging the guys at the top. And then all the people in the middle are just kind of oblivious because it doesn't affect them. Supposedly. It does. It doesn't, but I mean, they're, they're paying obviously if they're paying 60 bucks for you know their internet speed and like you said they're only using you know 300 gig i mean they're essentially overpaying for what they're really using it for i mean i know they don't look at it mm-hmm. that way but if you want to break it down you know money per you know data usage then yes they are gouging the people that like you or i that we don't abuse you know, the right. usage, but we use it. We're getting our money's worth out of the tier that we are allotted. Correct. Yeah. And I, and I think that's why I said, like, I don't like the word abuse because I feel like if to me, abuse is, is grossly blowing through their numbers kind of deal. You know, if they're sitting in at 1.2 and I'm sitting in at like one and a half or two to me, that's not abuse. You know, that's just kind of the ebb and flow, you know, of data usage. To me, like I said, to me, abuse is five, 10, 20 terabytes. You know, people that are clearly yeah. destroying, you know, destroying the limit. Way above the limit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's not like they can't see that. So, you know, that's, that's to me why it really solidifies that this is just about making a little bit more money off of people. And my guess is that they're doing that because people that can't afford the cable services that they used to because of what's going on. My guess is they're losing money on certain aspects, and this is just a way to help recoup some of that. That makes sense. You know, again, you know, thinking back to my days from from being there, you know, you mean you know how it goes when when one place would go down, somewhere else would try to pick up. You know, so I, I'm very very sure that there's been a whole lot of people that have probably dropped parts of their cable service or lowered their bills or you know haven't been able to make their payments and things. So I'm sure they're losing money in other places, and I think this is just their way to you know, to, to offset that, which, you know, sucks for me. Cause I'm, I'm the one getting hit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You and me both. <laughs> it's, it's easy when it doesn't affect you. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So do you have any other uh, feelings on that one? Well, I, I just wanted to, to go back yeah. and the, um, the whole facial recognition. I, I just wanted to give a, a thanks to our police, our first responders, you know, any, any of the firefighters, all that, all those people that, you know, do try to make our life a lot better, easier, and, and, you know, risk their lives, obviously doing it. 
Yeah. Nope. I agree. And I can certainly second that. And I think uh, that's about as good of a way as we could end this particular episode as possible. So while, uh, while Jason is not physically here, he is, uh, he's going to still end the show in spirit for us. Uh, so do you have anything else before we do that, Marty? I don't. I want to just say thanks for listening. All right. Well, we thank you for coming on and like I said, filling in for Jason. So we're going to have Jason send us out. Have a great day. Be sure to like and subscribe to never miss an episode. And if you like what we're about, be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Well, that's going to wrap up our show for today. Be sure to follow us at Dual Rambling on Twitter. Or for show notes, check out our website, anchor.fm slash Dual Rambling. From all of us here at Dual Rambling, I'm Jason. And I'm Steve. And as always, ramble on.